Well, we're going to read the Bible together now, and we're turning to Psalm 114. Psalm 114, if you're using one of the Pew Bibles, you'll find it on page 510. Page 510. Uh, The title of the psalm is Tremble at the Presence of the Lord. But as we're going to see later in our service, it's a psalm which speaks of God's faithfulness. So Psalm 114, it's page 510 of the Pew Bibles. And as we read this psalm together, we're conscious that it's God's word to us. When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, Jordan turned back, the mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you flee? O Jordan, that you turn, that you turn back, O mountains, that you skip like rams, O hills like lambs. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us this evening. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 114. It's page 510 of the Pew Bibles, page 510. And as you're turning to that psalm, let's pray for a moment together. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your faithfulness. And we pray that you would speak to us as we would consider this psalm together. Help us to understand its meaning and its purpose, but also help us to sing it as we close our service together as well. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we can rely upon it. And we pray that you'd speak to us all and encourage us tonight, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tonight we're finishing off this short series on the Psalms. Tonight we've heard the new version of Psalm 114. And uh, we're going to sing that at the close of our service as well. Uh, Psalm 114 is quite a difficult and somewhat obscure psalm. And instead of grinding out the detail of it, we're going to pull out the main theme and talk about that. We will mention some of the detail of the psalm towards the end of our time together. But we're going to focus on the main central theme of it. Well, what Psalm 114 tells us is that God is faithful. The praise group have sung that for us already. It's a truth that we know know well, but what does it mean and why does it matter? Well, that's what we're going to think about this evening, the the faithfulness of God. Uh, It's an important subject for us to consider simply because of the context that we live in. Uh, The most common way that faithfulness is heard today is with the negative prefix, un. We're familiar with unfaithfulness in lots of different areas. We're we're familiar with unfaithfulness in in the realm of marriage. We're familiar with unfaithfulness in the matter of ethics. Uh, People are unfaithful in a wide variety of ways. Uh, We're even familiar with unfaithfulness when it comes to issues of theology. Churches are unfaithful to sound orthodox doctrine today. The, the, The reason we're more familiar with unfaithfulness compared to faithfulness is that we're human beings and we are what we are. Sinners, rebels against the God who has created us. And one of the distinguishing differences between us and God is that he is faithful and we are not. 
Uh, this is perhaps best summarised by a conversation between Balak and Balaam in Numbers 23. You may be thinking, obscure passage to reference. Now, the context is that, is that Balak was king of the Moabites and Balaam was a, a bit of a scoundrel. He was a pagan diviner. But this is what Balaam said to the foreign king. He's talking about God here. And he says, Rise, Balak, and hear, give ear to me, O son of Zippor. God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should not change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? God is not a man that he should lie. He's utterly faithful, even when men aren't. And that's very good news for us. It's something that the writer of Psalm 114 reflects on, as we've seen in the new version of the song. It's something that is dotted throughout the scriptures as well, particularly in the Psalms. So, for example, Psalm 36, our call to worship tonight, says, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Uh, another example is Psalm 89, 8, which asks the question, O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you. Could pepper you with other examples, but it would probably get quite boring after a while. But you already know that God's faithfulness is, is one of the dominant themes of, of Scripture. Um, what, what I want to do tonight is talk to you about the theology of God's faithfulness. Now, this is going to be a slightly different sermon because we're going to go into slightly deeper water than usual, but it will be good for us to unpack God's faithfulness more fully simply because we have been recipients of his faithfulness in the past year. I mentioned that during this morning's service, um, mentioned that during the building project update. On Thursday night, many of us were very conscious, conscious of God's faithfulness to us over the course of the past year. The past year has brought lots of different challenges in other ways, but in terms of the building project, in, in terms of finance for the building project, in terms of safety on site, God has been faithful. To help us have a greater sense of his faithfulness, we're going to unpack the, the, the theology of faithfulness, and then we're going to sing the new version of Psalm 114, which is called God is Faithful. So where do we start when we speak about God's faithfulness? Well, we start by recognizing that it's part of his character to be faithful, and faithfulness is one of his communicable attributes. That's a very big word early on, communicable. It just means that faithfulness is one of the attributes of God that we can see more clearly. Uh, theologians also talk about incommunicable attributes. Those are attributes like God's independence and his unchangeableness. They're harder to see and communicate. Faithfulness, though, is in the category of communicable. The Bible uses very helpful illustrations found in everyday life to highlight the faithfulness of God to his people. And I'm going to talk you through those now, and then we're going to talk about Psalm 114 as we close our time together. For now, we're just going to be jumping around the Bible a little bit to, to see more of God's faithfulness. So the first illustration that is used in the Bible to highlight God's faithfulness is the natural order of the universe. The natural order of the universe. Uh, after God destroyed the earth with the flood uh, and, and Noah and others exited the ark, he promised that he would never do it again. The perpetual evidence of that, as well as the rainbow, is found in the relentless, unceasing recurrence of summer and winter, cold and heat, and day and night. So it's harvest next weekend. We prayed about harvest tonight already. We quote and pray Genesis 8.22 at this time of year. 
And it kind of washes, washes over us. But it's a reminder to us of God's faithfulness. Summer and winter, cold and heat, day and night, will not cease as long as the earth remains. This illustration is used again as, as proof not only of God's sustaining of the physical world, but ultimately of his faithfulness to the new covenant. Jeremiah 31 says that God has appointed the sun to shine during the daytime and the moon and the stars by night. He's also appointed the sea to always produce waves. The constancy of these natural phenomena are, are visible reminders to us of God's unbreakable promises in salvation. Just listen to Jeremiah 31, 35 to 36. It says, Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for light by day, and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If this order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. God is faithful, and that's seen in the natural order of the universe. Later on in Jeremiah, in chapter 33, the same promise with day and night is used as the guarantee of the promise God made to David. But how does it connect with us? Well, for those of us who are Christians, the blazing of the sun, the glowing of the moon, the crashing of the waves, and the, the changing of the seasons should all serve as a reminder of God's faithfulness to us through Christ. In that sense, harvest is the time when we celebrate God's faithfulness the most. So that's the first illustration, and it's the natural order of the universe that reminds us of God's faithfulness. The, the second illustration the, the, the Bible uses to highlight God's faithfulness is the immensity of creation. So the, the natural order of the universe, but also the immensity of creation. We've quoted Psalm 36, verse 5, a few times already tonight. God's faithfulness reaches to the skies. What that verse is saying is that it goes on and on and on into infinity. In speaking of God's faithfulness to his covenant, Psalm 103 verse 11 tells us that God's faithfulness is comparable in greatness to the distance of the heavens from the earth. The extent of God's forgiveness is also mentioned in Psalm 103. As far as the east is from the west, so great is his steadfast love toward us. As far as the east is from the west points to God's infinite faithfulness. It goes on and on forever. The immensity of the universe then is, is a tangible guarantee that God will keep his salvation promises. To come back to Jeremiah 31, in it we're told that if only if humans can measure the heavens or explore the foundations of the earth will God break his salvation promises. If the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below can be explored, then I will cast off all the offspring of Israel for all that they have done, declares the Lord. Again, how does that connect with us? Well, whenever we, as those who love the Lord Jesus, look up at the night sky or when we peer through a telescope at some distant planet, we can be reminded and assured of God's faithfulness in salvation. Now, these are very helpful illustrations. They're, they're everyday illustrations that, that highlight the faithfulness of God. Here's the third, the parent-child relationship. Psalm 103, which we've sort of mentioned already, is instructive for us again. It details the multiple ways in which the Lord shows his faithfulness towards his people. And one of the images he uses in verse 13 of this psalm is this. He says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. 
We're told that God has compassion on his people in the same way that a father has compassion on his children. It's like what Richard was talking about this morning. Parents naturally have feelings of love, attachment, care and commitment toward each of their children. That general disposition doesn't change regardless of how many times a child disobeys or disappoints. Jesus alludes to this positive disposition when he teaches that even evil parents will give good gifts to their children when they ask. And just listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 9 to 11. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The relationship between a, a parent and a child it isn't based on merit and it can't be broken. In a parent-child relationship, the parent is the one in the position to provide for, protect, nurture and guide the child. In the same way, God's faithfulness to his people includes this tender, unbreakable and compassionate care for them. Isaiah adds a powerful comparison and even contrast to this parent-child image. Pretty, pretty sure I quoted these verses last week as well when we looked at Psalm 13. But listen to what the Lord says about his children in Isaiah 49, 15 and 16. He says, Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she would have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget you, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. The context of that passage is that in the verse before the one in which we started, verse 14, we're told that some of God's people were claiming that God has forgotten them or abandoned them. And verse 15 picks up the image of a mother's relationship with a newborn child. The degree of attachment and care that a mother feels for a nursing child is one of the most powerful portraits of intimacy, tenderness, and connectedness possible for a human being. And what God says is that even if a mother would somehow, someway manage to forget her child, he will never forget his people. He has inscribed them, us, into the palm of his hand. God's faithfulness to his people then surpasses the strongest commitment possible between any human beings. The final illustration we need to mention is the husband-wife relationship. And this is used in both the Old Testament and the New Testament to show and describe God's faithfulness and his relationship to his people. The concept of, of faithfulness is implied in most contexts, but it's explicitly detailed in the symbolic marriage of the prophet Hosea. Uh, you'll remember the story, God commands him to marry a woman, Gomer, who would prove to be unfaithful in the worst possible way. In Hosea 1 verse 2, she's called a woman of prostitution. And God explains that his people have committed excessive spiritual prostitution by following after other gods and living immorally. In most human marriages, adultery results in divorce. You would imagine that if a wife were to become a prostitute, her husband would never give her a chance of restoring the marriage. But God's faithfulness to his unfaithful people unfathomably leads him not only to stay faithfully committed to them, but also to transform them so that they become permanently faithful to him. In Hosea 2, 19 and 20, he says, And I will betroth you to me forever. 
I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. So the Bible uses very helpful everyday illustrations to highlight the faithfulness of God. There's the natural order of the universe. The seasons come and go, and that reminds us that God is faithful. There's the immensity of creation. God holds everything we see in the palm of his hands, and that tells us that he's faithful. There's the parent-child relationship, and that speaks of his faithfulness. Parents don't forget their children, and God won't forget his people. And the husband-wife relationship points to his faithfulness as well. He's permanently faithful to us in a way that other humans aren't at times. Now, with all that in mind, we come to Psalm 114. And you may be thinking, well, we have come, we have really, really come the long way around tonight. How did we suddenly get here after all of this? Well, well, here's how. Psalm 114 is all about God's faithfulness to his people at a certain point in history. It's, it's a psalm about the Exodus. We, we've studied the first part of Exodus together and we've seen how God's people were delivered out of Egypt and how they came across the Red Sea. And that's what Psalm 114 is rehearsing for us, the events of the Exodus. You'll see that it begins in this way. It says, When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, Jordan turned back, the mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. When Israel went out from Egypt, God was with his people. Creation was under his control, and he made it possible for them to escape. Psalm 114 is basically the first 16 chapters of Exodus in eight verses. It's a pretty concise summary of what happens. And what we're supposed to see as we read it is that God is faithful. The first verse of the new version of Psalm 114 puts it well for us. God brought his people with a, brought out his people with a strong and mighty hand, took them out of slavery to the promised land. Mountains fled before them, and the seas turned back and ran, and they saw that he was good. Now, how does the Exodus story connect with us as Christians? That's a really important question to ask. If this psalm is about the Exodus, how does it connect with us? Well, the Exodus story is an incredible image of our movement from death to life through Jesus. The people of Israel were in bondage and in, and in slavery in Egypt. We are in bondage and slavery to sin outside of Christ. The people of Israel are, are led out by a mediator, Moses, and they eventually reach the promised land. And we are rescued by, a tr by the true mediator, the, 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 the one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus. And through trusting in him, we will reach the promised land, heaven one day. That's what we're going to sing in the new version of Psalm 114. God has come to free us from the bondage of our sin, tasting of his kindness. We, we cannot go back again. Leads us through the desert to rivers of his grace, working all things for our good. God is faithful. We see it in, in so many different ways throughout the Bible. We see it through the Exodus story, story in Psalm 114. And we see it in our lives as well. It's one of God's communicable attributes. It's one of the attributes of God that we can know and see in a real and meaningful way. The, the best expression of it, of course, 
comes through the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Through Jesus, God is faithful to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, what is it that Paul says about the promises of God in 2 Corinthians 1? He says that all the promises of God find their yes in him, in the Lord Jesus. And that's, uh, that is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. You see, one day it will be said of those of us who know and love Christ that not one of the good promises God made to us in his word failed, but that each and every one came to pass. Well, one day that it will be said of all of us, uh, all of those of us who are his, that God was faithful to his every word and true to his every promise. And on that day, we'll praise him together. Now, how do we finish? We've tried to sketch out the faithfulness of God from a theological perspective, uh, perspective, and we've tried to connect it to Psalm 114. Well, what are we doing in response to the faithfulness of God? Three things to hang our hats on. First of all, the faithfulness of God to his people should be the primary motivator of our faithfulness to him. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. In other words, we're encouraged to look to the finished work of Christ on our behalf because the one who promised is faithful. Faithfulness for us, as the author of Hebrews goes on to explain, is seen by spurring each other on and encouraging each other on in the faith and and being part of a church family. It'll also mean being faithful to what the Bible says and teaches in terms of ethics and morals. The second thing for us to take away in terms of application is that we, even though we will prove to be unfaithful, God will still be with us. We'll prove to be unfaithful as we try and live out the gospel. Thankfully, we're encouraged that even if we are unfaithful, God remains faithful because he can't deny himself. Because of God's faithfulness to us in Christ, we confess our sins. And no matter how often we may fail and sin, God is unchanging in his response to us as we repent. And thirdly, and ultimately, God's faithfulness motivates our, our faithful living as we wait for the, for the return of Christ. The thing is, and it's really important to grasp, one day the faithful one will appear in the clouds and bring his people to himself. I, I don't know if this has made sense as a sermon tonight. It's been a slightly different one for us. But if you take nothing else away from this evening, know this. God is faithful. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're experiencing at the minute, God is faithful. We're more familiar with unfaithfulness compared to faithfulness. And that's because we're humans. We're sinners, rebels against the God who created us. And one of the distinguishing differences between us and God is that he is faithful and we are not. But still he loves us. Still he carries us. Still he helps us as we live for him. So still we praise him for his faithfulness to us. And that's what we're going to do as we close this series together. We're going to sing, God is faithful to his promise. He is with us. He is with us. God is faithful. God is faithful to his own. As individuals and as a church family, as those who know and love the Lord Jesus, let's rest in that tonight. Let's rest and find our satisfaction and hope 
in the fact that God is faithful to us, even when we aren't faithful to him. And if you haven't trusted in Christ, if you're not yet a Christian, you should turn to our faithful God. He promises to love you in a way that no other human being can. He promises to take your sin away. He promises to give you his presence now and forever. And he promises to take you home to be with him one day. You should trust in our faithful God if you haven't already. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you that the scriptures as a whole remind us that you are a faithful God, that you will never leave your children. Father, how we praise you and thank you for Jesus, how we thank you that all of your promises to us are, are yes and amen through him, and how we thank you that he is the ultimate example of your faithfulness to us, that he faithfully lived for us, that he faithfully died on our behalf, and that he is risen again, and that one day the faithful one, Jesus himself, will return in glory to bring us to be with you forever. Father, help us to rest in your faithfulness tonight. Help us to rest in, in this, this beautiful part of your character. And we pray that you'd speak to those who haven't yet trusted in you, that they would come to know you, the faithful God, personally, now and forever. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.